Hi, I'm Dave, and I like Ninja Turtles and graphic design. Do you like to sit around for a while? Found yourself a little pet crocodile. Do you like to just live in the moment? Do you like the stars and moon in the comments? What do you like, do you like? 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 Welcome to What Do You Like? The podcast where we get to know a person through their passions and hobbies. Um, today, we are graced with the presence um, of someone I've known for the last few years. Um, previously, we've we've interviewed Julio. Um, this is not Julio, but previously interviewed Julio, who I said was one of the nicest people I've ever met. Um, this person that we're going to speak to today rivals, um, it is absolute pleasure to be able to chat with him. He is the head designer for pro wrestling tees, um, and probably has the greatest Ninja Turtle collection in the world, at least that I've seen in person. Um, and that's going to lead into what we're talking about today. But first I want to welcome Dave Stangin to the podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Dave. Thank you, Jeremy. It's an honor to be on here. Absolutely. Now, uh... One thing I ever to know, we are, this is one of the first few podcasts I'm doing in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have Dave on the podcast this week specifically is we are in the week of Thanksgiving. And if anyone has known Dave, that is probably, correct me if I'm wrong, your favorite holiday of all time. It's one, yeah, it's definitely up there. Um, so I wanted to be able to, to share one thing I'm thankful for is our friendship, um, but also I think this is a good day to just highlight being kind to other people, which is why I definitely want to have Dave on the podcast. You're too kind. Oh, no. see, this is going to be a kind off. This is, that, that's what this podcast is going to be. Um, but today we're talking about um, two very, on the surface, seem like very different passions, um, but we're going to dig into how they overlap. Um, but we're talking about graphic design and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, Dave, just to start, which came first? Well, I mean, being honest, probably Ninja Turtles. You know, I'm a child of the 80s, so that was pretty prevalent in my childhood. I I, I don't know, and also, I've always loved Ninja Turtles, but something about maybe the last couple years, something switched back on in my brain. It's And it's very weird where it, my love for the Ninja Turtles was always kind of like, simmering under the surface and then it just went into overdrive and my wife will tell you this because you can kind of track my obsession going straight uphill on the chart uh maybe a couple years ago and i just started buying toys left and right see that that would brings the thought that what that brings up in my mind is we had your co-host for the pwt cast Birdo mm-hmm. on the podcast, and he did the same thing with Digimon. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's gone as far as you've gone. Probably not. Um, but I again, there's still time for Birdo. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's that's interesting. Like we get to a point in our life where we look back and we we have all these fond feelings, mm-hmm. nostalgia, and everything like that. Um, and then your means are way better than when you were a kid. Exactly. <laughs> so you're like, oh, that's a big part of it. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. As a as a kid, like. I remember I'd have to like beg to get like 
the smallest thing. Mm-hmm. Like, like a Hot please. Wheels car or something. Yeah, like yeah. something. And now it's like, well, I mean, yeah, I, I have no kids right now, so I, I spend money on nothing other yeah. than on me. Um, so I think that that's really interesting. Now, so as a little child, Ninja Turtles. Now, this is like late eighties, mid to late eighties. Yeah. yeah. So this is like peak Ninja Turtles. Yeah, too. like from the inception. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing too. Um, you you mentioned being older and having more disposable income. I, I actually recently saw a meme where someone said um, millennials, which I don't think I'm technically part of that group. Millennials like spending their hard-earned cash on expensive toys to distract them from how bad everything is around them. And I think there may, may be a little kernel of truth in that. Because, um, like, you know, if anyone's come by the shop and seen my desk surrounded by toys, not just Ninja Turtles, but mostly Ninja Turtles, and I'll always get the comment from, how do you work? You know, it, it's it's <laughs> like low-grade hoarding that I'm doing. And it helps me work. I mean, there's times, you know, you're sitting at a desk for like eight hours a day and you get bored. And then, you know, every now and then you'll check out and you go on the Internet and, you know, watch something horrible or something great. And then you go back to work. But there's something. It's like a pacifier almost. I I look down and I'll be like, oh, there's my Ninja Turtles. And like it really there's that Netflix show where they say, does it spark joy? And like genuinely, the stuff around me sparks joy. And I think I've made a. A real conscious effort to make my nest, so to speak, around <laughs> me. So, well, that I mean that that shows that this holds a very special part in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but when you were a kid, like, was it everyone was into Ninja Turtles? Yeah, or? that was probably the hottest. To- well, and I didn't have that many Ninja Turtles toys when I grew up. I I watched the cartoon. The movies came out. I watched those. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of kids that were into that sort of thing, they would uh, find a piece of fabric and tie it around their head, you know, like Rambo or like Ninja Turtles. And you you jumping off the couch or the bed, kicking your brother or something. And <laughs> that was always around. But, um, yeah, like you said, there were a lot of times where I grew up in like a really strict household. So like asking for stuff, we just didn't do that very often. So we kind of had to make our own fun. And that, might, and that might be part of it, too. I'm getting all this stuff that I always saw and then couldn't get, but now I could see them on eBay and it just something sparks. I'm like, Oh, I got to get that. now. I can get that. Even though it's like three times more expensive. Well, but inflation, I mean, true. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm no economist, but <laughs> it might be cheaper. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you mentioned the strict household. Like, uh, I know that digital obviously were cartoons, but there were, there's some violence in that mm-hmm. also. That wasn't an issue in your household. Um, yes and no so like i took taekwondo when i was younger my brother and i did so martial arts action wasn't really a negative like we watched a lot of uh old kung fu movies um so that wasn't that much of a problem a lot of it was like there was this really strict religious upbringing and especially during the 80s in certain circles of like fundamentalism everything secular that was popular had some sort of like uh it was possessed by demons so i mean we talked about this on one of our movie reviews for hereditary i think that's why i like i liked hereditary so much because i could relate but like things like et 
had demon possession in it because they were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and that's like a fantasy role-playing thing. Um, Ninja Turtles were considered demons. They were mutants. They were like abominations of God's creation. And then, you know, of course there's music. Oh, they were really big on playing stuff backwards and finding hidden meanings. So a lot of that stuff was really secular and taboo, at least the way we were growing up. So there was always this kind of um, maybe like a forbidden fruit aspect to it. Um, but yeah, like on, on the surface, a lot of that stuff, I think this is getting a little deeper than I wanted it to. A lot of that is like, um, like really small ways of controlling people. You know, if you, if you control Uh the stuff that they consume and you say, that's, that's, that's devils, you you know, like kind of like Bobby Boucher in uh, Waterboy. Football's the devil, you know, and for a lot of people, I mean, it is as ridiculous as that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and that makes sense. Like now as an adult, when you make your own choices, it makes even more. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I missed out on all this. Yeah, exactly. So, so, uh, so Ninja Turtles, so you were, but you were able to sneak away and and consume it. You were part of the society in that way. As long as we weren't purchasing, my parents didn't really care about it. Like I could watch cartoons and to them it was just, colorful movement on the tv they weren't really paying attention so i like cartoons were a way to escape um but yeah if i said can i buy this they would say no that's that's devil stuff so oh yeah well it might also be a way for them to kind of save money as well i'm starting to think that a little bit yeah (laughs) as i've gotten older (laughs) but yeah i mean as as a father yourself have you thought uh to use that no actually and I, i think because of my upbringing I'm very prone to just giving my daughter whatever she wants. And same thing with like my stepson's like, um, like if a new video game system came out, they had to have like the limited edition and I would get them almost whatever they want, almost recklessly, you know, where some people would say, Hey, that's bad parenting. But like, I never wanted any of them to grow up thinking, um, Oh, Dave, he really, uh, Dave or dad, um, was really trying to keep that stuff away from me because he was cheap or because he was a weirdo, you know? So I think I kind of swung the other way, but um, we, we've achieved a pretty good balance now. Yeah. And, and, and your kids are getting older. So I think mm-hmm. they, they they understand yeah. things a little bit more that if, if things aren't given to them right away, they have, yeah. the, they have patience now. They're not like well, a, and at the very least, if I couldn't afford it, I would give them an opportunity to earn it. You know what I mean? Hey, work for it, and I'll give you a couple dollars here or there. Yeah. Mostly, they just got it outright. But <laughs> well, I mean, there's always the, the future. Things just keep being more and more expensive. Yeah, and I mean, they're all. I think your your stepsons are working age already. Yeah, they're grown men now, so they you don't yeah. have to worry about them ever. Well, that's, what's <laughs> funny is my my youngest stepson, he just turned twenty two, and he was talking about a birthday party, and then my wife was like, "Well, what did you want to get?" For food wise, for your friends, he's like, I don't know. That's what I was going to ask you. My wife's like, we're not buying you f- food for a party for a grown ass man. You buy, buy some pizzas or something. So, I mean, they're getting to the point where they they got to jump off the gravy train now. But my daughter's still comfortably seated in the middle car. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She has a few more years. Yeah, left she's good. And, and plus being the youngest, I'm sure she gets a few yeah. extra years. And the I'm daughter. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So all that. Yeah. Um. So as a kid, obviously, Ninja Turtles. Where did graphic design kind of come into play? So, like, right around the same time, actually. So, 
my grandpa graduated from the Art Institute of Chicago. And um, very early on, I was amazed as a kid, like, so my grandpa was like really goofy. He would do stuff like he would eat like dog, but like dog biscuits in front of me to just freak me out. And like everything was like really jokey. But, you know, if I was like rifling through the attic or something, I would see like portfolios of these beautiful things he did for the Art Institute, like as assignments, like close ups of like a fly's head. I'm like, wow, my grandpa's really good at this stuff. And then um, he was the president of an ironworking company in Chicago. Um, and they would do stuff like decorative grills for like, remember when TVs used to be gigantic, like, like drawers and there'd be like a TV in the middle of this big wooden thing. Yeah. He would make like the decorative iron grills for those. Like people would upgrade their stuff with that. So I would see like samples of stuff that he did. And like, so I could see where like he probably wanted to be like a more traditional artist, but then he took that and then like industrialized it. So he took it, he took all the skills that he got. And then, oh, here's the other thing about my grandpa too. (laughs) I used to find cartoons he did for, like he was in the army. Some of the most racist cartoons ever. I was horrified when I was a kid. I was like, well, but like back then it was just like, that's what they did. Right. So um, I never viewed my grandpa's like terribly racist, but like I saw some like really racist caricatures, like in some of his army stuff, which was kind of odd. So. I guess that's a little bit of a blemish on like my memory of him, but um, no, from from a very early age, it would be I'd see my grandpa's stuff, and then I'd run down to the comic book store, get like Batman comics, and try and like draw the cover just to impress him. And then I remember like on his bedroom wall, he would just like tape all these lined notebook papers with like really horrendous versions of Batman <laughs> all over his wall. So at at a very early age, art was kind of important to me. Interesting. I wonder if it's also like that was another escape you had where mm-hmm. you, yeah, very much. in order to do art, all you needed was a pencil or some markers like. Yeah. Well, there, there was a lot of doodling during school, too. And then like, uh, I don't know if anyone does this now, but like if you would get like a textbook of someone and it would have like a, a headshot of someone, I would erase their eyes, like erase the ink off the page and then just draw, draw cross eyes or like arrows through their head and stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, always doodling. Um. And then at first it was a problem. Like all the teachers would say, "Oh, Dave's not paying attention. He's he's got so much potential, but he's wasting it doodling." And then as I got closer to maybe like junior high, it started becoming more complimentary, where they were like, "Oh, I think Dave may may have something here. Like he's getting more elaborate with his doodles." And um, and a lot of that was also like trying to impress my grandpa. You know, like as I was going, I just kept doing it and kept doing it and. Um, but yeah, at a very early age, like pop culture and drawing was like very much connected for me. So when, at what point did you kind of realize like, this is the, the direction I want to go in with my life? Um, <clears throat> so ju- junior high, I was in a private school, um, Northwest Baptist Academy. And I was really starting to become a pretty good at drawing. And one of the teachers noticed, like the principal of the school noticed, and at the time, like I said, we were really religious, and so they were really big on, like, grooming people for full-time Christian service. Like, you could be, like, a missionary or an assistant pastor, or if you were 
like female, more often than not, you were a secretary or, you know, some other, you would teach home ec at the Christian school. Um, at the time, a lot of, um, like a lot of church places were trying to do their own like book publishing. So they would have like these like theological books and stuff like that. And then they noticed that there was a real need for like children's books. Like everything was like Bible related, like Noah, Noah and the Ark and, you know, Adam and Eve. But, you know, they'd be covered up in fig leaves and it would just be like the same stuff regurgitated over and over again. And so in he, you know, the principal got it in my head. Hey, maybe this could be a career for you. Maybe you could write Christian's children's books that weren't, you know, old guys in robes with staffs all the time. So that, that kind of got it in my head and then ended up leaving the church. And then, um, I, I really don't know what I wanted to do. I knew, I knew I wanted to do something with art. And after high school, um, I took all my drawings and I went to a sign company that like my ex-girlfriend had applied for. And then, um, I showed them this portfolio and they said, we really don't like do drawings. We make signs, but we'll teach you how to use the computer. I'd never really used a computer before. And then I thought I'll get on the job training and then I'll go to college and become a successful artist. And then like, I, I, I ended up like never leaving. <laughs> so I was there for like 18 years, just doing signs. Well, what was that like? I mean, obviously your passion was not sign making, but right. like what, what did that get you that, let let you stay there for 18 years um a lot of it was like it was a real stable job one and then it ended up starting to pay pretty well um i think so when you work at a sign store you're doing like golf outing signs you're doing garage sales you're doing uh high school reunion banners things like that and so it's always kind of like the same stuff or like site signs for construction and it all gets like really boring Right. And then you also get people coming in and they'll say, oh, my 13 year old's a graphic designer. They made this. And then you'll get like a thumb drive with some horrific like Microsoft Word document where they just figured out how to add like drop shadows. And, you know, to them, their kid's a genius. And to us, we're like, oh, we got to polish this turd. So a lot of that got like really boring to me. But what I liked doing was. And I think what was like the most meaningful for me, there would be people that would come in and like they worked their whole lives as like an electrician or something or a plumber. They worked for some plumbing company and they said, I could do this myself. So they, they would save up all their money and start their own business. But they, you know, they didn't know how to make a logo. So to me, that was like my favorite thing was like, I'm really giving these guys something that's like their identity. And, you know. When you work with signs, you always see companies that have been around since like the 50s, the 30s even, and they kind of kept some kind of permutation of this logo, and it was iconic. And so I, just to think that I could do that for someone else was like some of my favorite stuff. So I ended up making like a ton of logos, and you know they ended up really working well. And, and in fact, kind of one of the things that got me here at Pro Wrestling Tees was, um. Like I sent a couple freelance designs and then Ryan asked me, Hey, you want to design our logo? And I designed like the pro wrestling tees logo and he loved it. So that kind of gave me like a real big foot in the door for here. Wow. And then Ryan, the owner of pro wrestling. Yeah. Tees. Ryan. Yeah. Ryan Barkin. Um, 
that's interesting. That, I mean, that's very much a turn lemons into lemonade situation where, mm-hmm. yes, I mean, there are obviously were a lot of positives for the sign shop, and it seems yeah. like they treated you very well. Yeah, but not at all what you cared about. No, it, so for like the eighteen years that I was there, maybe it was like ten years of fresh faced excitement, and then about eight years of I can't do this anymore. And a lot of it was just like, well, I'm I'm getting paid. It's helping me pay my bills. And it was like five minutes away from the house. And it was very secure. And then also, I mean, like I said, I was doing logos and I was also doing that led to like branding things. Like, so you'd have a logo, but then like from that logo, there would be like brand language for people's window graphics. Like it's got to kind of fit, you know, the brand that we made them. So that was fun. And I would, you know, I live in Elgin, Illinois. And so like almost all over Elgin, there was stuff that I had my hands on. So there, there was kind of like a satisfaction to that. Um, kind of like my little nest of Ninja Turtles at work, right? Yeah. So like I, I'm surrounded by things that I'm proud of um, that, I, that I've that i worked on and I could say, oh, I, I helped that business. You know, I, ha- I had a hand in that. So that was a big part of it. But eventually like the, the tedium of it all was just, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one obviously that has a job that's just like, or had a job that was just tedious, but it was just, I just kept looking at it. I was like, am I going to do this for the rest of my life? Like we didn't have benefits. We didn't oh. have like 401ks, anything like that. Yeah. It was just like an independently owned franchise. And like, you know, we had had several owners. And so like, there was really never an owner there long enough to kind of put a system in place. But then I was like, I'm getting old. I was like, I have no retirement set aside. And like, I hate it. What am I going to do, right? So it was the opposite of this podcast name. It's what do I, what I didn't like any of it at the end, you know? So, well, I think the identifying that is really the important thing. Mm-hmm. And I think it, um, I did, I work in a, this is the podcast isn't paying my bills yet. So I work a corporate job soon. Um, but, uh, we had like this presentation and it was very much like, uh, people don't change until where they are is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. that it it is less of a risk to ch- to actually change. Um, and it seems like you got to that point, but it wasn't like you weren't prepared either. So, like you mentioned, how you're already doing some freelance stuff on the side. Like, mm-hmm. what kind of got you starting to do that? So, like a big part of it was. Um, so, I liked art when I was a kid. I liked Ninja Turtles, Batman. Too, and then also pro wrestling, gigantic passion of mine when I was a kid. And I think a lot of the kids that grew up in the 80s when like WWF was really prominent, that was like Saturday morning superstars was like the thing for me, right? And it even got to the point where like, like I was in third grade and I got into trouble for being a little hyper, and then I blamed wrestling on it. But in the back, I was like, oh, it's because of this wrestling I'm watching. And then my mom was like, well, then you can't watch wrestling. And then that was like a ban for like two or three years. So, whoa, that's yeah, a, that's an intense grounding. Yeah, but like it was a gamble and, and it totally wasn't wrestling, but I was just like looking for a scapegoat for my horrible behavior. But like very on, like very early on, me and my brother would watch it. And I think I probably liked it more than my brother, but we would always be doing wrestling moves. You know, we'd be walking around with our eyes rolled up in the back of our head, pretending to be the Undertaker. And it was just like this weird, very much in the same way that cartoons were. It was this like escape and these guys were all superheroes fighting each other. And like, 
I think a part of us always knew that it was scripted, but it was fun to imagine, wow, there's a zombie fighting like (laughs) the most American tanned guy on the planet (laughs) and and they're fighting from, from the love of my fandom. Right. So, um, that's always stayed with me. And, uh, there was, there was a company called barbershop window, which we now own, but before we owned it, it was owned by another gentleman. And I, I came across it just randomly and I could see that they were doing, it didn't seem like they were actually doing licensed wrestling stuff, but it was like wrestling adjacent. And so I was like, Hey, I would love to do some work for you. So I did. And then, um, he paid me for a little bit and then he stopped paying me royalties. And then, um, I got really mad cause the guy wasn't returning my emails. And then one day I went back to go see if they were still selling my stuff, maybe like a year later. And then I saw that it was owned by a different person, which was Ryan. Ryan had bought barbershop window and like, by chance, I called into One Hour Tees. Like Karima, who still works there now, um, answered the phone. I was like, hey, could I get a, in contact with this guy, Ryan? And then that's kind of what started me doing freelance for, uh, at first, Barbershop Window, and then what became Pro Wrestling Tees later on, which you know is all officially licensed stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of like the eye-opener for me, is that um, I was kind of like T-shirt design, and to come to think that like I could design something in, in very much the same way that I could drive around Elgin and see like a plumber's logo. The fact that like someone that I sat in rapt attention, looking at the TV wrestling could now be making money from something I did was like, it was like that feeling on steroids, you know, <laughs> I mean, maybe I could pick a better analogy, but like, it was it was very much that feeling like times ten. I was like, wow, and like there was a couple times where I was like, I'll do it for free, or just give me a couple of shirts. But like, hey, I'm 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 somehow in this guy's orbit, you know, and it yeah. was just fascinating. I think that's how everyone gets started here. Is yep. I know I did some grunt work for for some free shirts. Um, <laughs> some some might say I'm still doing the grunt work. <laughs> yeah, it's a gateway drug. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting though that like just a chance encounter of yeah. like this, Oh, this store that is selling wrestling like things. It like ignited something and you're like, this is something I want to, mm-hmm. to try. And, and it's low risk really. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, I mean, I, I have my safe job. Um, what, what, what was it like when you finally like took the jump and you're like, I'm leaving the safety of this sign making and actually following my dream to be a graphic designer so yeah so it was kind of like a like a perfect storm ended up uh happening at once so like i said i was getting like really burnt out and like my big plan was i'll just leave and i'll go to the like the parks and rec department because they have a sign division they use the same software that i was like a certified trainer in. i was like i could sleepwalk through this right and they get paid they get benefits and i was like i mean Anytime I saw like an like a city of Elgin employee, they were like an older guy that had like a nice garage with a hot rod in there and enough money to burn on frivolous things, which seemed great to me. But like the owner at my sign shop, um, he was a good guy, but like very cheap. And then I we would start seeing him 
I don't want to say cheating the customer, but like he would start charging a little more than he should here and he would cut corners there. And then, then you stopped being proud of your work. And it was almost like, you know, we would get a complaint and then he would hide in the back. And then it was like, we got thrown under the bus. And so actually the girl that I worked with, Lindsay, who was one, who's one of my best friends still, um, she felt she's there now with a different owner who's much better, but she felt trapped too. And I was like, just leave. And I kept telling her, just leave, get out of here. Don't be me. Don't stay here until you're a grumpy ass, right? And then the stuff with Ryan started happening. And, you know, he's, he actually asked me a couple times, like, hey, do you want to work at Pro Wrestling Tees permanently? Like I said, I was making, like, really good money. It was five minutes away from my house. And then the prospect of, like, un, like, what? I know I'm jumping all over the place. My wife would always say, you're unhappy, just leave. I was like, but like, I, then what have I done for 18 years? Like, I'm going to start over. And I kept telling her my, my loyalty is going to pay off somehow, some way. I feel it. But there was really no indication that that was going to happen. And then, you know, Ryan kept saying, come work here. But it was so new, first of all, that that was kind of scary. And then the commute, I'll be honest, like I hate driving. It's the worst. I have bad eyes and like bad directions. And so I kept telling him, I was like, I don't want to make the commute. I don't want to drive down. And then I actually looked into options like taking a train and then taking a taxi before Uber was a big thing. I was like, it's just going to cost me so much for, for like a gamble. And so I just kind of bided my time. And then um, I get an email one day from Ryan saying, hey, keep this quiet, but CM Punk is going to sign up with Pro Wrestling Tees. And he goes, I'd like you to work on some stuff. So I got to work on, uh, I think it was like, he had like five or six designs in his like first kind of line. I got to do like four of them. And then that day it broke the site. It like kept crashing the site. Like, now, was it my designs purely? No, it was CM Punk. <laughs> but like the fact that I got to be a part of that was pretty good and they were getting pretty good reception and then finally ryan was like how about this i'll pay you what you're making now and you only have to come in twice a week you can work from home the rest of the time but i I need you to come in sometime just so i know you're not fucking off right and i had just gotten to the point where i I could not take it at work anymore and this offer came at the right time but it like i've never I've never quit a job. Like I was there since like I stepped out of high school. Like wow. in 99, I've been working there since 99. So I didn't know how to quit a job. I mean, I know that sounds weird, but like my tenure there, I couldn't just walk away. Like I was a McDonald's employee and just never show up. Mm-hmm. There's like ramifications for that. So like my wife's like, just do it. <laughs> and, uh, I hemmed and hawed for like about a day and then I said, all right, I'll do it. And I put in like my three weeks, I gave him extra time so I could train someone. And I got to say like all the fear that I felt like went away. The second I walked out of the door for like the last time I knew I made a great decision. All of that um, pent up frustration and anger just melted away. And then, you know, coming here, I had that like first, first day of school feeling for a while but you know everything works like 
I love just about everyone that works here. Um, and the unique thing about working, at least on the pro wrestling tees side, is that like you've seen us, all we do is talk shit to each other constantly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's brutal to to someone <laughs> not inside that little bubble, but to us, it's comforting almost. Yeah. You know, and like if someone's not busting my balls, I I feel like well, what did I do to you? You know, <laughs> and so th- there's very much like. I know maybe this comes with a bad connotation, but like a frat, we're a fraternity of brothers working toward the same goal. Um, we're very proud of our work. And like, you know, since I've been on, and it's not just me, but like since I've been on, I, I've been able to see this company grow like leaps and bounds past, you know, where we could even imagine. I mean, just the other day we did a customer appreciation sale because we sold our two millionth wrestling related product, which is crazy, right? especially out of like the little building that we're at. So yeah, I mean, best decision I ever made professionally. And I I think that really speaks to making sure people out there are following their heart. Like Mm -hmm. it's okay to take risks. I mean, you won't succeed in all of them. Um, And sometimes it takes a lot to really take that step, but a lot of times that's where you're going to grow the most. Yeah. Now I want to kind of dive into so you're, you're, you're a graphic designer. You're now working at Pro Wrestling Tees. Mm-hmm. The style of your art is very different now. Yeah. Because now you're now you're trying to design things that are appealing to wrestling fans, not to golf outings. Right. Um, what, what was it like to kind of like be in an environment where you were literally, you have like free reign almost and like to let your artistic whim mm-hmm. go? Like what? What feeling did that bring out in you? Um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, a fair amount of anxiety. Because, like, now, you know, like you, like you said, doing something for free for someone, it's it's freeing, right? You're like, eh, if they don't like it, fuck it. It wasn't my job. Now it's my job. Now I got to make dollars off of this. And not just for pro wrestling tees. I got to make sure some of these wrestlers that maybe didn't save money during their careers can now make some money. And if I, you know, put out a turd, they're not making anything. So there was that. Um, and I will say like part of my frustration at the sign shop was the amount of work I was doing. And now I look back and I could do that in my sleep. Like literally I could just kick back and knock out all my work in like half a day compared to like the workload here. Like what a lot of people don't see, and you'll get people that complain about stuff constantly. But what they don't see is like there's people that like if it's like Black Friday, they're here for to like midnight sometimes printing or packing or when it's like crate weeks, it's like it's like a pirate ship, you know, <laughs> they're they're just heaving and hoeing, just getting these boxes done. And so um, part of the pride of the work comes with like the actual work of it. Like there's times where, you know, Ryan will say, I need you to do this and then I need you to do this. And then like it feels like just as you're getting your momentum on one project, another thing's just coming in. And so uh, management of your time comes in. And also you don't want to disappoint Ryan because like as hard as you feel like you're working, you know, he's working, he's doing all of it, you know, and he's remembering all of it. So and, and that's not to kiss my boss's ass because like, I mean, let's be honest, I do that enough on my own podcast. Yeah, I, and there's no way he's going to listen to this. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah I, just knowing and I'll say like a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say about Vince McMahon. 
Um, but the one thing they can't say is like he he'll do he'll do whatever he asks you of. Like he's willing to do it himself. Like if he wants you to jump backwards into a net from eighty feet, he'll he'll do it too. You know, just to show it's it's okay. So like, no matter the amount of work that I'm under, I always know that like Ryan, you know, he's up till like two in the morning answering emails. So it's really hard to complain and sit back if if your boss is working hard. You know, and that's what I like. So like coming from Cinerama. You know, we're looking at my boss. He's being like a little slimy weasel sometimes, not working. And then you're just sitting here like, I'm doing all this. And he's just fucking eating Oreos in the back or whatever. Not the case with Ryan. So, you know. So, I mean, and I think that, I think just in, in any business, mm-hmm. that, that's what leadership is. Exactly. Like, you by example. You, yeah, you know, if you're going to work harder, if you know that you're not, it's not just you. Like, right. you're not... You're not being taken advantage of. Yeah, like if you were in a war, in a trench, would you like to know that your leader's next to you, firing next to you, or he's in a tent somewhere a couple miles away phoning in his orders, right? Like it's nice to know that your boss is in the trenches with you. Yeah, and I think that's one thing to really highlight is this work is just like war and just as dangerous. (laughs) Yeah. Uh Right on the same level. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't mean to overstate it, but yeah. No, I mean, yeah. I, I, I think I don't think it could be understated. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, but one thing that that really brought up is like, you're working from home three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're recording this in the the time of the the COVID nineteen mm-hmm. coronavirus. Um, a lot of people are getting used to working from home. Mm-hmm. What was it? How are you able to? kind of uh separate your like with all this workload separate mm-hmm. your home life from your work life when like it's most a, of your week is at home you know it's very it, it's actually harder now that uh you know all these uh covid restrictions are in place because like you know i'd be at home but i'm mostly by myself with a dog and now that like my wife has to work remotely she's in the kitchen maybe like 20 feet away and then now my daughter is doing learning at home through her school you know there's a lot more jocularity in the house like i'm coming in and i'm just like fooling around or if my daughter's in a zoom class i'm making faces behind her and stuff but for the most part like my my wife was really worried when i first got the job she's like you're gonna be playing playstation all day aren't you i was like no way (laughs) and i think i mean if i'm being completely honest there are times i have played playstation um, as, as a break, but for the most part, there's so much work to be done that like, if I, if I started like dicking around for a day, I'd be behind so bad. So like, I actually get more work done at home than I do at work. Cause like, I mean, you've been in there. We're all just like, like I said, we're all just like insulting each other and playing stupid music and joking. I mean, we're also working hard, but I think I work more hard without the distraction of coworkers. Sure. If that makes sense. Sure. And I, I think with coworkers, they're more more your peers. Yeah. It's like yeah. coming to hang out with the friends. Yeah. yeah. Whereas the family, they're always there. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you don't love them. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure you take them right. or leave them. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, so another part of this is like as an artist, mm-hmm. have you ever had to like sacrifice your like artistic vision for a more business function um and what does what how does that affect yeah you? so you know I, 
I learned this practice making signs because we got to do a lot of like proofs of whatever the sign is before we make it. But a lot of times the customer is not an artist. And so they're not, I know this sounds like I'm smelling my own farts, but they're not very artfully minded. So they'll sketch something on a piece of paper that kind of halfway looks good. But in reality, like, you know, when, when you're handwriting something, it's not, it doesn't have the uniformity of a font. So you can like squish stuff kind of to cheat. And then when you actually type it out in a font, it doesn't work. Like something's way too long for the signs. So the letters have to be tiny, things like that. So like what I would do is I would do what the customer requested exactly as requested. And then I would do like two more versions that were clearly better. And then I would put the proofs on one piece of paper so they could see them next to each other. And then they would say, oh, my my version stinks, or their version stinks. I like these two options better. Thank you for doing that. Sometimes we have to do that for wrestlers. Hmm. So, like, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I want this. And, you know, I mean, we've all seen a lot of wrestling shirts. Sometimes they're not the most creative. You'll get, like, Bullet Club parodies. You'll get NWO parodies, which we have an NWO parody in, in our podcast store because it's such a, it's <laughs> such a good design. Um. But, you know, they'll say, I want all these words. And, like, a paragraph on a shirt is not going to sell. And so they don't know this. And a lot of times, since it's their own idea, they're very precious about it. If you tell them, it's not going to work. So a lot of times you have to show them. And so sometimes you're doing a little double work. But that makes the the end product better if they pick the better version. So um some sometimes a little of the creativity dies with some of the stuff people ask have asked me to do mm. um there was a project i was working on i can't really say too much about it but it was for i don't want to give away too much there's a project i was working on that was a logo for something that may be fairly big and i gave them three options which is like normally at least what i do and they didn't like them and they decided to go in-house. And the logo they came up with was the worst logo I've ever seen in my life. No joke. They said, we're going to go with this instead. I'll tell you what it is after after the podcast. But I went to Ryan. I was like, I'm so offended by this. that like, I, I said, are you, are you playing a trick on me? Like, you're trying to teach me humility? And then you go say, ha ha, I'm joking. This is, you know, they're going to go with yours. And he's like, no. And he went to bat for me. And um. I'll be honest, I was I was a little salty about it. But like in the end, whatever this project was, it was not mine to do. It was theirs. And like, I mean, if they wanted to smear poo across a piece of paper and say this is our logo, that's their right to do, right? So I don't know if that really answered your question or not, but like there there are times where no matter what you do, no matter what is like the better option that you give them, they'll pick the worst option. And you just have to kind of swallow your pride and say, well, that's what you want. You know, that's what you get. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good, like, kind of separation to understand, like, this art is not. Right. In the, the commerce art you're doing is not. It's in the service of the customer. Yes. Yeah. So what what are you kind of doing, like, as an artist, like, to express yourself artistically outside of that? Do you have time to do that? Mm, well, Yes and no, but not in the same ways that I used to. So I used to do a lot of like pop culture 
t-shirt designs and so i still sell those on like various websites but um now with like the workload sometimes i just want to get home you know and just vegetate and so it's especially with like uh like aw being so popular and they're constantly needing content which i'm actually doing a lot less than i used to to be fair but like a lot of it is planning and like getting stuff up on the website and you know stuff like that i I rarely have time or the inclination if i did have the time to do like shirt art very much and like it's been a while since i've done my actual own stuff for sale on like different websites um but now i've kind of shifted from so like instead of doing like quote-unquote graphic design I'll do like little projects at home. Like I posted on my Instagram, this one artist named junk fed. I'll, I'll give him the credit. He, he had like a rubber bat specimen that he had nailed to a board, but he painted the bat to look like Adam West's Batman from 1966. Oh, and I looked at that. I was like, I could do that. So I was like, I've tracked down the exact bat that he used in his little art piece that he's, <laughs> he's selling it for like 150 bucks. And it's great by the way, but like, I couldn't see myself spending that. So I spent a little money on a rubber bat and some acrylic paints and I just sat there and, you know, my daughter was doing something. My wife was doing some like autumn crafting, you know, like gluing pumpkins together and stuff. And I was like, you know, I'll do a craft. And like, there's something, something really therapeutic about that. Like, even if it's like the dumbest thing that I can't sell or like I can, I can put it on Instagram and like people will appreciate it for a couple of days and it'll become forgotten. You know, I can look at it. I got the rubber bat sitting on my desk at home. Or um, my wife got me, like, a big, like, Batmobile Lego from the 89 Batman movie. And it took me, like, it had, like, 28 bags. And I would do two bags a day. And then I would just, like, photograph my progress. And it's just, like, the stillness of it. You know, where I'm, like, I'm just, I'm going to block this time. And then all the other distractions, I'm just going to take time for me, was very uh, therapeutic. So, was I doing graphic design? No, but like, it's a kind of art, I think, in a way, you know, however you yeah. look at it. Yeah, and I think that that I think that really highlights the fact that even if you this wasn't your job, you'd still find a way to express yourself creatively. Yeah. Um, and I think it's even more telling that, obviously, since your full time job and maybe a little more than full time job is doing graphic design mm-hmm. you are finding these other ways to express yourself that aren't connected so right. i think it's a very healthy thing so i don't burn out yeah well because here's the other thing too i posted on my facebook page and uh you know paul uh at, you know at pro wrestling tees he he asked me to like recreate some shirt and i was like yeah i'll do it and i love paul so like i had no problem doing it but like someone else posted this meme of this lady going up to an artist saying, Hey, I love your art. It's really cool. And the artist is like turning around and run. And then the next panel is, Hey, can you do me a favor? And the artist is running at full speed. Uh-huh. And then Paul's like, was that about me? And I was like, no, but, <laughs> but yes, like as a graphic designer, like I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a party and someone will casually come up and start like a half-assed conversation about what I do. And I'm just, I'm like, get to it. What, what favor do you want me to do? What, what like what t-shirt design do you want me to do or do you have a banner for your daughter's birthday like i still get a lot of that and i I got a lot of that when i was making signs a lot of it was like hey could you make a banner for my band sure hey could you could you design like the parking lot sign for my wedding 
Sure, I'd love to. And like, it still happens a lot, even even at pro wrestling tees. And I think people are more mindful of it because they see sometimes how busy I am. But like, you know, as annoying as it can be, like, I will tell you, there's times where people haven't asked me to do something, and I'm like, why didn't they ask me to do that? And I'm almost I'm almost offended by it. <laughs> so. It's just a weird gray area sometimes. Yeah. I know when I started this podcast, I was very mindful of the fact that um, I knew a bunch of graphic designers here. Mm-hmm. But I was like, I'm not going to ask them to do my logo. But you should have, though. Uh, yeah. Well, when you saw what uh, and every, anyone who's listened to it since episode one had saw the original logo, I was like, I'm going to. Well, and I didn't mean it like that. Yeah. I didn't mean your art was bad. I meant like. No, it was, though. It was okay. Yeah. But but that's not your job though. No, not at all. But like, Vinny was like, "Oh, dude, I'm gonna hook him up." Like Vinny did your current yeah. logo, right? Yep. First of all, I gotta say, I'll turn this back on you a little bit. Um, when you sent Berto like a clip of what you're gonna do, and he played it for me, I was like, "This is this is perfect." Holy, like, how has this not been done before? And so. Like, like you're part you're part of the pro wrestling tees family. Like we would have been like any anyone at the shop that's asked me for something has then said, "How much do I owe you?" And I said, uh, "I think I I always say your continued friendship is more than enough payment for me." And I I do mean that. Like there's times where it's inconvenient for sure, but like yeah, I mean any one of us would have loved to help you out. Well, I'll remember you're a good that. brother. I'll remember that next time yeah. when. Uh... I get desperate for it. And then it. if we start grumbling, I'm like, hey, you said. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's a recorded now. <laughs> yeah. It's for posterity. Um, so what, one last thing kind of to, to close this out. Um, obviously, we started this conversation, Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. and graphic design. Where do you kind of see or what would you tell little Dave? Mm-hmm. Like where you are now like how would you describe how like the 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 path that little dave has gone and like what would you tell younger your younger self that just loved ninja turtles and drawing um so like i'm really big on not having regrets for anything like my wife will always say hey like you know when i was younger i'd get in trouble and get arrested for stupid shit and she'd say would you would you change it and i always say no because like had I not got arrested or not gotten in trouble, it may not have led to another thing that led me to my wife, who I love. And then from that, I've got my stepsons and, and my daughter. Like, right? Like, if I change anything in that link in the chain, I may have been on a darker timeline or like the things that I love may not have existed in my orbit, right? So it's the same thing with like the sign business and like. I realized, you know, maybe I don't believe in karma or kismet or whatever you want to call it, but like, or destiny. But I kept telling my wife, my loyalty is going to pay off to this sign company. And I stayed for 18 years. But had I not stayed there that long, um, like, let's say, you know, at the end of year 10 is when I stopped being happy and I left year 11. I might not have done enough stuff to maybe do stuff for barbershop window and then lead to pro wrestling tees. Right. Or I may have gotten to another job that maybe made me a little more content and less ambitious and I wouldn't have reached out. So 
you know, maybe I'm in a slightly more comfortable job, but less fulfilled. So I would just say to younger Dave, just stick with what you're doing. You'll know when the time is right. And, you know, I wouldn't say that for everyone, though. Like, if you're unhappy with your job and you have any inkling that maybe you could take another job that's more creative or start your own job, you know, like be your own boss and do your own thing, um, I'd say take it. I mean, there was a time where maybe I considered not taking this job. And I was like, well, it's, you know, if I'm making the same amount, but I'm still driving out, I'm still net losing, right? I'm spending gas or train fare. Like I, it used to be, I would have my wife drop me off of the train and I take the train to union station. And from union station, I would take an Uber to work. And that combination of things to and from was like $40 a day every time I came in. So $80 yeah. a week I'm spending to just come in here and maybe, you know, like I said, be a little less productive than I am at home. <laughs> um, so if, if I'm making the same amount, but I'm spending $80 on the commute, I'm at a net loss, right? But like, what have I gained? I've gained happiness. Um, I've gained opportunity. I've gained maybe a little bit more perspective. And, you know, I've gotten raises since then. Um, but I think like w- what I see here at Pro Wrestling Tees is, and I think you, you'll notice it too. There's a lot of people that like love the job, are committed to it, but then they've also got their hands in different other pies, right? Whether it's like flipping toys for, you know, from retail or starting your own horror themed clothing company, like our friend Vinny at mm-hmm. Cryptic Closet does, or like Julio, another guest of the show. Uh, you know, he's doing guerrilla publishing. Stupid Michael's got M3 toys. Um, you know, marvelous Matt Nix running a wrestling company in an academy. A lot of these people that I call close friends and people that I actually look up to and admire, you know, they're happy with the job that they got, but they're also just not unambitious or they're just ambitious, I guess, to avoid a double negative. And, you know, to them, I think that makes life more fulfilling. It's more enriching. And really, I mean, what more can you ask for, right? Like, give yourself a chance to not be burnt out like I was for 18 years. So... Yeah, I would tell I would tell my younger self, stick with what you're doing, work at getting better at it. And when you see a golden opportunity, don't be a chicken shit. Just take the, you know, <laughs> take it, do what I did. So I guess that's what I would say. Nice. And I think that obviously those would be the perfect words because they are what got you to they where you are out. now. And, um, and I think that's important for people. One reason I ask that question is because, like, I think it's a good reminder to realize, like what you said, like, you can think back and have regrets, but to change anything would put you in a very different position than you're in now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for people that are following their passions, whether like you for that's their employment or someone else who just does on the side, Mm -hmm. um, I think there's always a, a net positive outcome for actually following that passion, like listening to your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, Everyone listening, that I think that that's one thing I, with this podcast, um, I want is like to have people be okay with like sharing their their passions because mm-hmm. I, I mentioned in the trailer you mentioned like sharing a passion is infectious. Yes. Um, and we might not have the same passion, but just the fact that just being around other people that have just seeing like, the spark. Yes. Yeah. And I think you talking about the people around here, like I think that type of community is always important. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because there's also too like you know i know we're, we're wrapping up but like you know how many times have you seen in like a sitcom right and i know that's not a fair representation of real life but like you know there's a kernel of truth in it how many times do you see sitcoms where people are in an office or working at a supermarket and they're just miserable. Like that's the theme of almost every sitcom. I'm miserable at work. I hate my job. I'm a drone. Everything I do is meaningless and we're just numbers, right? I mean, office space, classic example. Uh And like, it was getting to that point for me where I very much felt ashamed of my work almost. And like, you know, why choose to live like i understand if you got to pay bills and there's no opportunities by all means make the money because you'll be much happier with a roof over your head and food in your fridge even if you're miserable at work than being homeless but like i think this is a theme that you know berto and i talk about a lot in our podcast is if you got this interest and you get this itch to do something just do it right like we were doing podcasting and we had no idea how to do it. And like now, you know, we got a nice office. Um, we've made great friends doing this whole thing. And do we have the best podcast in the world? No, but like, it's fun. It can be a chore sometimes to be honest with you, but like just the fact that we've got a creative outlet. And like I said, like before we came on here, you were saying some of the, some of the best parts of this podcast is that like, you've talked to people that you've known for years and you found out stuff that you had no idea about and you yeah. wouldn't, you wouldn't have unless you asked the questions. And so, um, and like you said, like maybe now during the coronavirus, if you want to start a podcast, do it. Like you got the time, right. And yeah. what's stopping you? Like, you know, we started off with like really horrible equipment. And then when we made a little money, we squirreled it away and upgraded and kept upgrading and kept upgrading. And like, um, we're by no means like part of the Smodcast network or anything, but um, we had fun and we're getting better at it. And at the end of the day, like, just pursue it. Don't just sit there and stagnate or ferment in your own anger. I guess you know. And like, I very easily could have done that myself. So I'm, I'm in short, I'm. I guess I'm saying like, being in graphic design led me to all sorts of opportunities and i'm glad i jumped on this one because like i could see myself ending my career here and being part of something that's much bigger than myself and i get that feeling now i get that feeling of instead of seeing a sign in elgin where i said oh man that plumber did something i could turn on tnt and see it plastered on a wrestling ring or um you know we do stuff with pro wrestling crate where you know a lot of the proceeds go to charities for people you know what i mean and there's products that i've helped design like micro brawlers that people love like and i get to see that passion writ large now um stuff that i that i didn't even think of like i joined this micro brawler group and just to see like these guys oh i need a taz i need you know i mean you know right Uh, they're crazy but in in the best way yeah and and i will say this i am a collector of the micro brawler so i'm very appreciative (laughs) of your work there so yeah i mean Making the jump, being passionate, uh, and then just taking take a risk that's you know not a careless risk, I guess is the best way to do it. And yeah, and a, a non careless risk, I think, even if you fail, yeah, you feel good about trying. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You're not an old person thinking, oh man, what if I did? 
you, you're unburdened of that now. Yeah. So I think that is wise words for <laughs> for the listeners to kind of leave off on. Uh, before we go, is there any place on the internet you want people to reach out to you? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I have a Facebook fan page that I never post on, so maybe don't go to it. But it's uh, Instinct We Trust. Um, seriously, don't go there. But if you if you want to inflate my member numbers, <laughs> go ahead and hit like. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's mostly Ninja Turtle stuff. So it's at Big Stank Dog. Two G's for the B, two G's for the dog, and the same thing on Twitter. Um, and then also, if you want to follow my podcast, it's at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's the show I do with uh, Scrump or Birdo, as many people know, and we do it every Monday. So that's pretty fun. But uh, yeah, that's about it. Well, and I think one thing as we as we end with Thanksgiving coming up soon, if you're listening to it when it comes out on Tuesday, if Thanksgiving came up, I wish everyone out there a very happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Get together with family that as safe as you can. Uh, make sure you eat a lot, even if you're having a Zoom Thanksgiving. Like my family thinks going to have a Zoom Thanksgiving. Yeah, I plan on still cooking a full Thanksgiving dinner for yeah. myself. But <laughs> I mean... During these trying times, I mean, what what a better thing to be than thankful, right? I mean, there's things we've taken for granted that over the past year we've learned we can't, you know, yeah. whether it comes to family or, you know, a lot of people get annoyed at seeing their parents, but like some people can't see their parents now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Other than through a video screen. So, yeah, be thankful. Be stankful. Be stankful. And. Again, I just want to thank you oh, for thank your time. You. No problem. It is absolutely a pleasure. It's been, I think the only time we get to have any conversations is on a podcast. Yeah. Um, like sit, sit down conversations. I always appreciate this. Yeah. And for everyone listening at home, you can get in touch with the podcast by going to our website, whatdoyoulikepodcast.com. You can reach us at Instagram at whatdoyoulikepodcast or on Twitter at podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. I'm very thankful for everyone who takes the time every week to listen to this podcast. Um, thank you again, Dave, and thank you again, everyone listening, and I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving, and we'll see you next time.